Today on In Grace, we're in Bethlehem to tell you the real Christmas story. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. Today on In Grace, we're going to take you to Israel as we are going to talk about Jesus' first days. These are the the places, these are the things that happened as Jesus, the Son of God, was born just where he was predicted in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem of Judah, Bethlehem Ephratah. And we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph, and we're going to talk about the, the, the angels and the shepherds and, and all of the things surrounding the birth of the Savior. As you know, in this series, Jesus' First Days, we've gone to Nazareth and to Bethlehem to where we think the Tower of the Flock site is. We've been to Ancarim where Mary and Elizabeth met as John the Baptist leapt in Elizabeth's womb. We're going to these places because we these are real places. This is a real event. Sometimes around Christmas, we just kind of get lost in the legend, the Santa Claus and the elves and all that. That's legend. It's not true. But there is a true story. It might not have happened exactly as, you know, December 25th, but it happened. And so we are so excited here at In Grace to bring these incredible things to you. You're also going to be hearing today clips from Bethlehem's Tower, the birthplace of the Lamb, an incredible musical that's performed live at the Quinton Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois. And we try to tell the real story of Christmas. And we don't just stop at the manger. We go all the way to the cross and the empty tomb. So I think today you're going to be blessed as we're approaching Christmas. We're just around the corner. It's going to be, I think, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, but we have to stay focused on the truth, and the story of the Savior coming into the world. Now, let me tell you about a couple of things right before we get into Jesus' first days. Number one, in grace is coming to Arizona. We're going to have an event called Gather in Grace. I'll be speaking about Israel and the end times. We're going to have food. We're going to have music. We're going to rent out a place, and it's free. We have free tickets. We only are going to bring in about 100 people. There's only room for about 100 people in the place we're renting in the Phoenix, Arizona area. We know that about half of those or more are already taken. So if you'd like to join in Grace, meet my wife, meet myself and our staff, and hear some beautiful music and hear a message about the end times, I invite you to go to our website, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com, and then click on Gather in Grace. If you're in Arizona, we'd love to meet you in February. It's early February, and we would love to do that. Now, let me mention one more thing. Here at In Grace, we have some beautiful Christmas cards, original artwork. We have five different designs featuring the story of Christmas and the gospel. Now, even though you're probably going to get them not in time for this year, this would be a really good thing to have for next year. When you make a gift of any amount, we're going to send you 10 of these beautiful Christmas cards as our thank you. And the gift that you give is going to be doubled because we have a matching gift challenge going on right now. Now, if your gift can be $35 or more, we're not only going to send you the Christmas cards, but we're also going to send you 10 olive wood Christmas ornaments from Bethlehem. Now, some of you have said, hey, pastor, I want to give a larger gift. I want to give $100. If you give $100 or more, 
I'll just tell you this, your gift is gonna be used carefully and wisely for the sake of the gospel. You're gonna get the Christmas cards and the ornaments, but we're also gonna send you a beautiful olive wood nativity. Again, this olive wood is from Bethlehem. So you're gonna have something in your home from Bethlehem. Contact us right now, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. That's ingraceradio.com. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. We go to the hills of Bethlehem to talk with archaeologist Dr. Scott Stripling. Dr. Stripling is the director of the Shiloh Excavations, the largest dig in Israel. Scott is an expert in the customs of the people in the Bible. So let's point out, we're standing in a uh, agricultural field, the very terraced here, just south of Jerusalem, and point out uh, some of the backdrop. Okay, so this is a very typical field. Shepherds have been grazing here for thousands of years, even before the time of David, so it's quite ancient. This is Bethlehem behind us. It has 60,000 people or so there today. It's a sprawling community. In the center of it is the Church of the Nativity, where most people would go to venerate the birth of Christ. Bethlehem in the first century was very small. So why would this small village be the birthplace of the Messiah? Why not Rome or Athens or, of course, Jerusalem? All of these would be much more logical, but not this little town of Bethlehem. But Bethlehem has a rich biblical history. Rachel, the wife of Jacob, died here in Bethlehem. Also, this is where Ruth married Boaz. Ruth, a destitute foreigner, would become the great-grandmother of Israel's greatest king, King David. Therefore, it is fitting that the Messiah, destined to sit forever on the throne of David and a descendant of Ruth, would be born here in the city of David's birth, Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus says, okay, there's going to be this census. Explain that. What's this census? Yeah, so it's going to be a counting similar to what we do in the United States, where periodically we count the population, and it's based on taxation. They're trying to recreate the tax districts and so forth. So he issues this decree that it's going to be a census, and you dare not defy. Mm -hmm. Caesar, you're under military occupation since 63 BC. Now, the connection to Bethlehem, they were to go to the city of their birth or the city of their ancestors' birth? Uh, their ancestors' birth. Okay, so that would be David. Yep. Which, that's a pretty cool ancestor, right? The, the most amazing, prolific king of Israel. Matthew nails it when he starts his gospel. This is the story of Jesus Christ, the son of David. That's how it begins. Yeah. So then what do you get into? Immediately the birth narrative. Now, I think they're very aware of the Davidic covenant. Remember all the way back in 1 Samuel 7, God had promised David a house, a throne, a son, and a kingdom. And I think they're aware of these things. We're descendants of David. My wife is pregnant with child by the spirit is what I've been told. Something big is taking place here. It must've been overwhelming to them. The Bible says, that they came to the the Kataluma, it's which is the word we have in English, the inn, and there was no room in the inn. 
enlighten us a little bit about that? Well, it's a it's a language issue, and our older tra English translations do use the word in, but most of the newer translations have recognized that there's a problem there. Luke uses the word kataluma and pandakion in different places. Kataluma means an upper room. And later in chapter 22, in fact, he's talking about the Last Supper. In a private house. In a private house. So there thinking, was no room in the Kathalum. We're thinking in, we're thinking they had like a Motel 6. Right. There's no, there's no, right. it's full, no occupancy, no vacancy. The story of the Good Samaritan, we know the word for in. It's Pandakion. Uh -huh. And we know what an innkeeper is. Okay. That's not the word that's used early on. So this is a misconception that we've got to dislodge. They're not like going to a Motel 6 or something like that and there's no room. Yeah. They're going to Joseph's family homo likely, and the upper room is either full or it's too small for this birth that needs to take place. And this birth is about to happen. So then the next thing we read is that she brings forth her firstborn son and wraps him in swaddling clothes and lies him in a manger. Right. Okay, so then now we're thinking stable, mm -hmm. okay, which in, in a sense, I guess it is. Well, so it is. It's either the first level of a house or perhaps a cave that's under the house or near the house where they would have kept the animals. So we've excavated first century houses and it was just so interesting as we were getting down to the first floor and what did we find? A stable with mangers. So I think what they do is they clean out the stable area. There's troughs there that becomes the manger that then the Son of God is placed into. Is there symbolism there? Of course. Because we know that Jesus is called the Lamb of God and he came to be that full sacrifice for sin. So what is that symbolism? Well, I think it is the, the, the purity of it, the shedding of blood, that through birth there is redemption. Again, going back to Genesis, the shedding of innocent blood covers the guilty. But the lambs are sometimes swaddled when they're first born too. And Jesus is very clearly portrayed to us by the gospel writers as the Lamb of God from his birth all the way through to the end. And the Cataluma is interesting because he's born, his first day on earth, he's in a Cataluma, in an upper room, or at least it's mentioned, the Cataluma is mentioned. His Last Supper is in a Cataluma. So it sort of gives you this frame structure to the gospel narrative. Get ready to celebrate the holiday season within grace. This year, we have fantastic gifts to thank you for your support. With any gift amount, we'll send you 10 Christmas cards featuring original artwork on the front, inspiring Bible verses inside, and the gospel on the back. This will help you show Christ's love this holiday season. For gifts of $35 or more, it gets even better. You'll not only receive those beautiful Christmas cards, but also 10 authentic olive wood Christmas ornaments from Bethlehem, Israel. And for gifts of $100 or more, you'll also receive a stunning olive wood nativity scene from Bethlehem, a cherished piece that will grace your home for years to come. Are you ready for more excitement? A generous benefactor is doubling all gifts for the remainder of 2023. That's right, your donations will be doubled. So, make this holiday season truly magnificent within grace. Call us now at 800-78-GRACE that's 800-78-GRACE. Or visit us at ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Become part of the Ingrace family and celebrate the season of giving. Don't miss this special opportunity to take on the matching gift challenge and double your support. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. 
The story of Christmas is so amazing. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I could never have imagined that it would be like this. But as I look into redemption's eyes, I softly kiss your face and rock you shepherds are watching the fields by night. And suddenly, there was a great host, and the angels filled the sky. So do you feel that right now, the sense of what the shepherds, what that experience must have been for them? I, I really do. I, it's a sense of exhilaration when you're here outside Bethlehem, where shepherds would have been keeping their flocks by night. Yeah, and we have an announcement to shepherds. And there's something there yeah, too, Yeah, the right? humblest of society. You know, yeah. it's a, think about the Gospels. It gives you, in the days that Herod was ruling and Quirinius was governor in Syria and, and Caesar Augustus was ruling in Rome, gives you all these dignitaries. And then it says, the Lord appears to shepherds. <laughs> and then the word of the Lord appeared to John. So it's not these power brokers of the day who are connecting with God and getting the word of the Lord. It's the humble.
And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The incredible, amazing, beautiful story of Emmanuel, Christ coming to this earth to be our Savior, to save us from our sins. Mary is amazed and she's pondering mm -hmm. these things and she's wondering about all of these things. So very human, very normal. She's a young lady and all these massive events are taking place that it's, it's just hard to bring it all together. Yeah, it, am I dreaming is what she must have been thinking. <laughs> I mean, angels and visions and experiencing birth and she's not in her hometown, so she's not around her own family. This is her husband's family and it's probably not as comfortable for her. So just a cacophony of emotions must have been flooding. One of my favorite parts of Christmas are when the wise men come into the scene and offer their gifts to the Christ child. And so we're gonna talk about these wise men, these magi that came from the East. And we're gonna pick up Matthew's account of the Christmas story, the real Christmas story in Matthew chapter two, verse one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Here 
The writer, Matthew, is quoting from Hosea 11, verse 1, and showing the pattern that Jesus, the ultimate Israelite, would be brought to Egypt for protection, and then out of Egypt to Israel as an everlasting possession. Egypt at this time was friendly to the Jews, and I'm sure Joseph knew about the large Jewish community there. But here we have another long, dangerous journey for Mary, Joseph, and the young Jesus. We'll continue in Matthew 2.16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. And there's much to unpack here. Because on the road near Bethlehem, right near where I'm standing right now, Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, he would later be called Israel, gave birth. And as she was giving birth, she was dying. She wanted to name her son Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob wanted to name him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. What's amazing? Jesus was both. There was sorrow for Rachel, but in the prophecy of Jeremiah, 600 years before Jesus, Rachel is weeping. She represents the mothers of Bethlehem, who saw their sons going not only into the Babylonian captivity, but also the mothers of Bethlehem mourning from Herod's slaughter of the innocents. So much sorrow is in the world. But as Jacob saw Bethlehem as a place of sorrow and death, the birth of Jesus makes Bethlehem a place of rejoicing and life. And Jesus is, yes, the son of my sorrow because he died, but then he is also the son of my right hand because he arose and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. I am so thankful that Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live in all phases of life. He never sinned, but he became sin for us on the cross. He was born for one reason, and that is to die for our sins. This one that was born without any sin was pouring out his blood for us. And there was Mary watching him from the cross, and certainly she had to be in anguish, watching her little Jesus, her little baby, her her little boy running around the streets of Nazareth, her little teenager, or big teenager, and now this man, this innocent one, dying for her sins, for my sins, and for your sins. Jesus was put into the grave, but the grave could not hold him, for in three days he rose again. And the Bible says that any of us, you, me, Mary, any of us, if we will simply trust in him, believe in him, We will not perish, but have everlasting life. So let me ask you this around Christmas time. Have you accepted the greatest gift? The gift is Jesus. Have you put your trust in him and him alone? If you have, you are saved today, tomorrow, and forever. That's the greatest news of Christmas 
or any time of the year. Get ready to celebrate the holiday season within Grace. This year, we have fantastic gifts to thank you for your support. With any gift amount, we'll send you 10 Christmas cards featuring original artwork on the front, inspiring Bible verses inside, and the gospel on the back. This will help you show Christ's love this holiday season. For gifts of $35 or more, it gets even better. You'll not only receive those beautiful Christmas cards, but also 10 authentic olive wood Christmas ornaments from Bethlehem, Israel. And for gifts of $100 or more, you'll also receive a stunning olive wood nativity scene from Bethlehem, a cherished piece that will grace your home for years to come. Are you ready for more excitement? A generous benefactor is doubling all gifts for the remainder of 2023. That's right, your donations will be doubled. So, Make this holiday season truly magnificent within Grace. Call us now at 800-78-GRACE. That's 800-78-GRACE. Or visit us at ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Become part of the InGrace family and celebrate the season of giving. Don't miss this special opportunity to take on the matching gift challenge and double your support. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in next week as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.